This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Are you looking to save 50, 60, even 70% on your phone bill? Well, here's a tip. Broadvoice.com. Hi, it's Brad Staggs of Blaze TV here. Broadvoice offers high-quality phone service for only $8.95 a month. You may ask, how can I save so much money? What's the catch? Well, the secret is the technology. Broadvoice uses VoIP technology that takes analog audio signals from your phone, turns them into digital data, and then transfers them over the Internet. This means crystal clear sound and cheaper phone bills. Broadvoice has been ranked in the Deloitte Technology Fast 500 and Inc. 500 as one of the fastest growing private companies in America. Get Broadvoice right now for only $8.95 a month. Keep your existing phone number for free and Broadvoice will send you their easy plug-in adapter free. All this and you get unlimited local calling for just $8.95 a month. Plus, for a limited time, Broadvoice will even give you your first month free. Do what we did here at Blaze Radio. Make the switch today at Broadvoice.com or call 727 Beck is the phone number. Fat and Stu, uh, welcome to the program. Uh, today, Pat is out. Jeffy is uh, in. Uh, and uh, we're sorry about that. We apologize uh, to the entire nation. need to. Yeah, no, we do. We definitely do. Uh, amazing things happening with ABC News and George Stephanopoulos. Is he still there? He is uh, still there. Huh. He, uh, Natasha, can you find that um, uh, USA Today op-ed from Schweitzer over there? It's, uh, it's on my desk somewhere. Because um, I'm amazed by by everything that's happened here. This is p- at least part of it here, and I can give you some of this. But so we all know that uh, the controversy happens where Stephanopoulos does a tough interview with Peter Schweitzer. We had him on the air. Yeah. Was it Friday? Uh, and so he yeah. comes. So he does a book against Clinton. Stephanopoulos, who's a Clinton acolyte from many years ago, Forever. but supposedly now a reformed journalist, uh, and is sitting here saying, "Okay, uh, I'm going to be fair." So he gives Schweitzer a hard time about... We couldn't partial, find anything. We couldn't find anything. And, and you know, a good portion of the book's about the Clinton Foundation and how they essentially launder money and favors through this charity. So uh, he does not disclose that he's made $50,000 of donations, here I'll take other things, uh, of, to the Clinton Foundation. Um, and that's a minor issue. Hey. Uh, a minor issue. But that, it, was for, it was, what, for AIDS research and, and, and deforestation. deforestation. Now, Jeffy... Huge. It's tough for you to be a balance on this because you're so big on deforestation. Well, plus it was $25,000 one year and it was $25,000. I mean, it wasn't 50. I could see if he remembered, oh, that's right, I gave $50,000. But $25,000, you can't remember that. I give $25,000 to dozens of organizations and don't even remember that I do it. Of course, we all do that. Uh, But, of course, then it turned from 50 to 75,000, which was another issue. Um, But... uh, Peter Schweizer had an op-ed in USA Today, which goes through some of this. Um, for example, let's see how much of this. Uh, he, uh, his on-air dep- de- uh, apology, Stephanopoulos did not disclose that in 2006 he was a featured attendee and panel moderator at the annual meeting 
of CGI, the Clinton Global Initiative. He also did not disclose that in 2007 he was a featured attendee at CGI's annual meeting, a gathering also attended by several individuals I report on in Clinton Cash, including Mega Clinton Foundation donors Lucas London, Frank, Frank Gustra, uh, Frank Holmes and Carlos Slim, individuals whose involvement with the Clintons, I assumed he in had invited me on his program to discuss. <laughs> Stephanopoulos did not disclose that he was a 2008 panelist at the CGI annual meeting, which once again featured individuals I report on in the book, such as billionaire Clinton Foundation foreign donor Dennis O'Brien. So you have that, 2006, 2007, that's 2008, it, but that's it, except for 2009, where he served as a panel moderator at CGA's uh, annual meeting, uh, and of course 2010. And uh, then uh, 2011 as well, where he was an official. Okay, so 2011, he stopped, though. CGI member. He was a member, official member. Then in 2013 and 2014, mm. he and Clinton served as CGI contest judges for awards, in part underwritten by uh, LIU, a for-profit education company that he also reported on was in the book. Was he sick in 2012? I guess he was. He was sick. Maybe because Honestly, maybe because of the election. He, he decided to pull himself out so he could look more... Uh, balance? I don't know. Bill Clinton was on his payroll until uh, his recent uh, resignation of LIU. Um, now, of course, 2012 was one of the years he made the donation, so maybe he just wrote the check that year. I can't make it. Showing up. I can't make it. He, go yeah, it, he goes on to make a really interesting point, which is true, and we didn't get into this um, uh, too much on the uh, radio show today, but this is something I've heard Glenn say a million times. This is from Peter Schweitzer's op-ed. Uh, Big-time news media personalities have one thing in very short supply, time. Regular participation in Clinton Foundation events shows a deeper commitment to the Clintons than just the donations. Because donations, no, no to some degree, you could say, all right, look, 25000 is a lot for most people, but this is a guy who's very wealthy, yeah. been on TV for a long time. He's the lead journalist at ABC News, got a lot of cash. 25000 to him might not be that big a deal. I think that's, you know, I don't know. If and, it's a, and it's a healthy sum for a donation. I mean, it's, it's not a lot of cash for George, but it's a healthy sum. I mean, when you and I write a check for two or $300, that's his 25000 Right. You can make that argument. But when you're going year after year after year after year after year after year attending events, this is somebody who's very important to you. You aren't kidding. Uh, you don't you're do that. You're making time. You're making time right. for him. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, it, there are a lot of deforestation uh, <laughs> charities, okay? You can go do a lot of different You ones. can't find good ones. Right, like, you know, we have this here. Like, we have, we obviously do a lot of work with military charities. Um, and, you know, we're big believers in that. But, you know, when Marcus Luttrell comes and says, hey, we're doing this for my foundation or Chris Kyle, uh, his foundation, um, you know, because we have a, somewhat of a relationship with them or their families, you know, we're probably more apt to do it. It's not sure. that there's other charities that are, you know, we get invited to, to do charity stuff all the time. Obviously, Glenn, most of all, uh, you, you do get invited for certain things, but it's usually... Uh, you, you know, there's usually a restraining order in place that not to do prohibits it. <laughs> that is a stance of yours, which is weird. Uh, but, you know, you, you do because you have a relationship with people. You're more willing to, to do this. I mean, I, you know, we pay Jeffy every week. It's charity. Well, Let's no. be honest about it. He doesn't do anything here. But we know him. He's been around for a long time, really long time, hundreds of years, I guess. And we feel bad. So we do it. But that is the Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. That is the type of thing I'm talking about, though. When you have somebody who is a close friend, someone you trust, someone you uh, you have some level of reverence for and some level of indebtedness to, 
which, I mean, mm -hmm. look, sure. George Stephanopoulos definitely does. He was brought up through the Clinton you thing. He's lying. known because of the Clintons. It's not the other way around. It's not like, okay, well, he was around for a while, and then he came to prominence, and, and then they found out you know, later on he worked for Hillary Clinton. The reason you know about him is because of his work with Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton. Uh, I can't remember the name of the documentary, but it was a specific documentary where he's featured as one of their crisis sort of people who are, you know, advisors who are going right. through tough times. And he was one of the most vocal guys. And that's kind of how he's known to the public. So he comes right through the Clinton pipeline. So he owes it to him. I mean, there's no question yeah, about that. Yeah, it's like, you know, Michael Jordan might, have, might be running, what, the Charlotte Bobcats now, but he's still associated with the Bulls. <laughs> right. You know? It's kind of like, you know, the he Bobcats has, didn't win the, the, the no, championship. No, they did not. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really kind of amazing. Uh, National Review has a story. Stephanopoulos' long, long record of loyal service to the Clintons. Carol Simpson, a former colleague of Stephanopoulos at ABC News, decided to drop a bomb on him today on Reliable Sources. That's CNN's uh, media criticism show. There's a coziness that George cannot escape, Simpson explained. Mm -hmm. While he did try to separate himself from his political background to become a journalist, he really isn't a journalist. Wow. And I'm sorry that, again, the public trust in the media is being challenged and frayed because of the actions of some of the top people in the business. While ABC News says it was an honest mistake, they don't feel that way. Secretly, they are hopping mad, I am sure. I hope that's true. And I think it is. I know there's definitely good people at ABC News that you'd think would be able to say, look, well, you know, maybe they have to put a public front on for some reason. This particular, but, the next yeah. one, of course, um, from uh, Judicial Watch, uh, attorney Tom Fitton in 1998, um, and now the group's president, once noted that Stephanopoulos had admitted in his 1999 memoir that he was under pressure while he was a White House aide because Hillary Clinton blamed him for not being as tough as Kennedy's men in going after political adversaries. Once again, that nice person, Hillary. Mm, yeah, I know. She's that was just a wonderful, nice lady. I know. It's so funny, too, because the whole time she was doing that, she was actually the victim. Right. Uh, in, in a lot of ways. She didn't really realize it, but she was. And that never calmed it down. Like, I would think if you were like, you know, if you went to your wife and you said, look, you've you got to stand by me on this. I'm getting killed. Uh, you know, I did not sell those drugs. I am not in the drug business. This is, these are total lies. This is a vast right-wing conspiracy. You make her go on TV and say, look, Jeffy is not uh, doing these you crimes. He doesn't run yeah. these, uh, these sex rings. He doesn't, he doesn't, you don't know my husband. He doesn't have all these drug issues. He is, he's not embezzling money from Mercury Radio Arts or The Blaze. All these things that she wouldn't say, obviously, because you do those things. But if she did go on, on, on uh, camera and, and defend you from them with all the passion that only a wife can provide, you'd think if when it came out that you had done all those things, she'd feel burned. She'd feel, hey, wait a minute. You made me go on television right. and look like an idiot? What the hell? And that is, that did not happen at all with Hillary. Not because time. she's such a political animal, she only saw it as a reason to get more angry at her adversaries. And maybe that's because right. it's not a real marriage. I don't know. I mean. Hmm. Well, that's very possible, too. Not that yours, I mean, you know, I don't know how Amber stays. I, mean, I don't understand it. Nobody understands it. Plus, I, I'd like to maybe talk off the air about the, what you know about the whole embezzlement thing. Oh, okay, well, we can hit that in a break. Uh, during his White House years, Stephanopoulos was always known to be among those who were most eager to discredit any Clinton critic. 
at the first get-go. Even Rahm Emanuel, another famously aggressive Clinton aide, sometimes thought Stephanopoulos wanted to go too far. Think Rahm oh, Emanuel? You'd go too far? That's like, uh, you know, it's Jeffrey Dahmer saying, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if I would include that ingredient in this particular <laughs> stew. That's too far. <laughs> you know, I think that's really amazing. Uh, Stephanopoulos crisis at ABC, according to the New York Post. They are saying uh, they're trying to keep their George Stephanopoulos scandal from becoming a Brian Williams disaster. Pretty close. Insiders said they were blindsided by Stephanopoulos's hefty undisclosed donations to the Clinton Foundation, saying the contributions may have uh, made damaged goods of their biggest star. This is a bigger, bigger crisis than ABC will admit, a source told The Post, which is interesting because this is how they deal with it. When they right. realize it's spinning out of control, they have leaked sources that wind up saying what's actually going on. Right. And, and it's uh, not good it, news for, uh, for it George. It is not good news for George at all. I mean, he can back off. He's, he's already backed off, right? He's backed off from uh, doing some of the uh, mm -hmm. uh, presidential run stuff, political yeah, stuff. Yeah, they're not going to allow him in any of the debates, right. uh, which is, I mean, that should have been obvious a long it's time just, ago. Yeah. As the, remember, if you remember going back to the Romney debates, Stephanopoulos was the guy who was saying, hey, but what about birth control? You get birth control? And everyone's like, what? Right. Birth control? What the hell is he asking? It's the most random question I've ever heard. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's the biggest issue in the campaign. And it wasn't because you could say, all right, well, Stephanopoulos asked a question and Romney butchered it, which made it an issue. That wasn't the case. Romney was just on the stage going, what are you talking about? Of course, that's a birth, birth control. What are you talking about? It wasn't a moment, a gotcha moment for Romney at all. But it was what happened was, and, you know, Stephanopoulos will never admit this, but what happened was the Democrats had decided they wanted to do this war on women thing and go after this contraception thing. Because they knew, they thought they had something on Santorum, when they really didn't, even on him. Right. Cory Gardner banned birth control, we know that. Um, so they had, they had this, they knew they were going to go down this road. So they needed someone to set the scene for him. Uh, you know, Stephanopoulos is in those Democratic circles. He knew this was the direction, so he got Let's the jump go. on the Let's campaign a little bit. Let's get it going. Let's get it started. And that's what started the whole war on women thing. I mean, that's right. in large part, particularly that aspect of it. And uh, that was Stephanopoulos during a debate. Now, the, the Republicans have said, I don't want this guy anywhere near another debate. He's obviously working for the other side. Um, and this makes it even more obvious. Sure does. He's donated to the charities of the people running on the other side of the ticket. And it, this is, I, I mean, honestly, I can't believe ABC is not going to do anything about this. They have to. I mean, right, this is what, I mean, this goes to what you're saying is how they handle it. They've already, they're already starting leaking that it's, it's a bigger problem than... Yeah, than we're letting that we're letting loose right now. That's how big organizations handle this stuff. They say that they say, look, you know, I don't I can't. I'm not going on the record here, but this is for you. Yeah, there's George's. something brewing over there. There's something brewing. Uh, Geraldo Rivera brought up an interesting point uh, that he was fired many, many years ago, partially because he made a two hundred dollar donation to um, I think he described it as a, a friend's or a friend of a friend who was running for a nonpartisan mayoral election. And he got fired from ABC. <laughs> for a $200 donation. This guy gives 75 grand. Now, there's some differences there. A little bit. Um, and, and as Geraldo, I think, pointed out, and it was a Facebook post by Geraldo, I believe, uh, where he pointed out, essentially, it was really they wanted me out for other reasons. They didn't like me for other reasons, but they used this as, as the excuse. Right. Um, Still, but Keith Olbermann was suspended for a $7,200 donation. Uh, I, people, this has happened all the time. Why ABC is just taking the stance of, well, look, I mean, sure... He didn't disclose to us that he made a donation to the people and the organization being discussed in a particular interview that he was harsh on the author. 
Because it's one thing. I mean, just general coverage, I think he should be taken off of because well, of this. Just think of the difference it would have made, though, had he just said it. He should have just admitted it. Look, uh, Peter, we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about this Clinton cash. And, you know, as is public knowledge, I've given money. I've donated money to the Clinton Foundation because I like a lot of the work that they do. It, it would have so, stopped it. You're right. Just go. He didn't do that because he knew... If he did that, people would question him. But at least he would have been being honest. Right. At least we would have said, look, I mean, he did tell him, but yeah, this guy shouldn't be doing the interview. That's probably what I still would have thought. Look, the guys don't think about what it takes. How many charities have you donated um, uh, to that involve political figures? I, I mean, I honestly, I can't think of a one. I can't either. I don't. That's not where I want my money going. You have to have an incredible amount of faith to give to a a political uh well i mean we all know that party. it's not about faith giving money to the clintons that's, that's true <laughs> it's not faith-based charity i will say that but i mean think about it. like even someone like i that i like you know ted cruz or something i haven't donated a dime to ted cruz's campaign now i i don't think that there's a um first of all i i he's the candidate i think is best right now um and so ted cruz ted cruz um so, I, you know, it's not that I would withhold my opinion on him. Um, and I, it wouldn't, for me, being we're opinion people, I don't think it would be uh, some violation of my standards to, if I did donate to Ted Cruz's campaign or Scott Walker's campaign or Marco Rubio or whoever, no, I don't I, think but, that would be a problem. I don't think so either. But, but I, I don't also... do it because I think it's dumb. <laughs> That's why I don't do it. I, I, I don't do it because I don't want to pay for four seconds of an ad that runs I in know. Iowa. That's why. That's why I don't do it. I know. But it's on the other stupid. hand. Uh, if you or I did that, we would say it. We would tell you. Yeah. We would tell you. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess. Know. I guess. Yeah. I, I would. If I. I mean, look. I, I make it obvious with what I say about the candidate. I believe Ted Cruz is a really good candidate and he would be, make a great president. Uh, we're going to bring him on. We're going to ask him questions. But you know, my, I'm on the air all the time talking about my opinion. Right. Uh, you know. So I don't think it's. I don't know that I would, would I, if I had donated to Ted Cruz, would I come out and say, look, I want you to know before we start this interview that I have made a donation to the Ted Cruz for president. I don't know that I would say that, but I'm not a journalist and I'm not sitting here saying I'm unbiased. I'm telling you what my belief is. My belief is he's way better than Hillary Clinton. He's way better than Jeb Bush. I'm telling you that in advance. Now here's Ted Cruz. That's different than what, 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 uh, yes, what Stephanopoulos is doing. He's saying... Here I am, a fair person. I've looked at this information fairly. ABC News has looked at it, and there's nothing here at all, by the way, I donated to these people. And that's bad. Yes, it is. Not even to just these people, but the specific organization which, in which a large portion of the book is about. And ABC should actually, they need to just, he needs to go off into the pasture with Brian Williams and be done for a while. At least, at least you could put him on Good Morning America and take him off the news stuff. He's already on Good Morning America. You want to put him on the cooking segment of the day? Go ahead, do that. But to put <laughs> yeah, him as, in, any, in any presidential politics sort of thing, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, the guy is obviously biased. He worked for one of the candidates. And now he's giving money to one of the candidates. The reason he has that money is because he was brought up specifically through a system designed by these candidates. He was promoted by this candidate. Huh. You know, it's like it's as if Glenn, if I went and I became a journalist and in five years, Glenn Beck was in a scandal and they were asking me questions about it. Well, I mean, I, you know, I came up through the Glenn Beck system. You know, I mean, I, it's like I, I looked into it. He didn't do anything. Yeah. Look, I looked into it and I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do anything. 
Like, you know, look, you can go there and you can you can certainly make points and, and analyze situations, but that would certainly need to be disclosed at the very no least. Kidding. And rarely is it. All do right. We not, do we not have anything up? I mean, creamy stroganoff. Mm-hmm. Liberty Bell potato cheddar soup. Is there none of this made anywhere? Just to try it? Do you care about preparation or do you just want to eat? That's my question for you, Jeff. You want you to ponder that for a second. I want to tell you about the 72-hour kit that is going on right now. We've been telling you about this for a while. Only 10 bucks, and it includes shipping. Uh, my Patriot Supply Sweet. does preparation unlike anybody else. They make it easy. So you don't have to be, as, as Pat says every single time, you don't want barley and bull weevils. No, you do not. Now you're you're, you you're on that front as well. You do not want bull weevils. Like, you get bags like this that are easy to to uh, to store. You add a little water to it, and you're going to have a great tasting meal. So it's not about living and surviving as much as it. You're surviving in a way that's going to make your family happy, uh, and you're not going to have to struggle. God forbid you ever have to get to a point where there's a natural disaster or a terrorist attack or something unforeseen where you need to use um, this stuff. It's going to actually taste good, and your family's going to be happy with it. Uh, and Jeffy can tell you because he knows food better than anybody that I know. Eight hundred two seven four thirty. You know, you can only. I think they limit four. They do four per order. person. Yes, that's true. So yeah. So you want me to order? Get you eight. Would you? Okay, sure. I'll give you some money. Would you order for me? <laughs> the only way to get this deal is uh, by calling eight hundred two seven four thirty forty. It's my Patriot Supply. Give them a call now. Eight hundred two seven four thirty forty. My Patriot Supply. It's not just food. It's, it's freedom. freedom. Thank you, Jeff. Are you looking to save 50, 60, even 70% on your phone bill? Well, here's a tip. Broadvoice.com. Hi, it's Brad Staggs of Blaze TV here. Broadvoice offers high-quality phone service for only $8.95 a month. You may ask, how can I save so much money? What's the catch? Well, the secret is the technology. Broadvoice uses VoIP technology that takes analog audio signals from your phone, turns them into digital data, and then transfers them over the Internet. This means crystal clear sound and cheaper phone bills. Broadvoice has been ranked in the Deloitte Technology Fast 500 and Inc. 500 as one of the fastest growing private companies in America. Get Broadvoice right now for only $8.95 a month. Keep your existing phone number for free and Broadvoice will send you their easy plug-in adapter free. All this and you get unlimited local calling for just $8.95 a month. Plus, for a limited time, Broadvoice will even give you your first month free. Do what we did here at Blaze Radio. Make the switch today at broadvoice.com or call 888-332-8036. All right, it's Fat Stu, 888-727-BECK is the phone number. Um, so uh, Rebel Media uh, was out in Canada. This is uh, the organization Brian Lilly's with, right? Um, he, I think so, yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, we had uh, Ezra, the guy, he was here uh, as well, uh, who does, they do, they do great work. You I, know him. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of his last name for some reason off the top of my head. But anyway, Brian Lilly, I know, is the guy up there with Rebel Media, and, and they do a great job um, working with, uh, kind of like, I mean, Glenn is described them as sort of like the Blaze Canada. Um, they're not part of our organization, but they just do great work and they, they go after it. So they're up there uh, talking, uh, they were at uh, Ottawa's March for Life last weekend and, uh, and found an uh, abortion supporter there and decided to talk to him. Watch. Certainly there are people at this march that would like to see it completely criminalized, but there are also other people at the march that would like to see it criminalized up to a certain point. You know, like... How about a, a month before a child's born? Should, is that fine? Which is understandable, yeah. 
you yeah. think there should be restrictions on? Uh, I'm kind of digging my own grave here. It should be the woman's decision to make that choice no matter what. Period. Now, if that means taking action uh, up to a month uh, before um, before the child is born, that should be her decision. How about a week? A week? That's her decision again. How about a day? Also her decision. It's not for me or any member of parliament or religious organization to tell her otherwise. How about postnatal abortion? Postnatal abortion? If that's, I mean, if that's the option, then that's the option. <laughs> but again, I'm not advocating murder of any kind. It's, again, it's not my choice. Mm. That's interesting because I thought, as, as this was going, I thought he was just, you know, he was hearing a series of choices and was just like, yeah, I, yeah no, it's always a woman's choice, always a woman's choice. And wasn't really, he didn't, he, like, translate postnatal meaning well, after it. the kid he was born, it. but he definitely yeah, understood. You're darn right. I'm not advocating the murder, but it should be the woman's <sighs> choice. At what point do the, does the woman's choice run out? When they're 30? Uh, what, is there an issue? At some point, does the kid get their own voice at some, at some level? When is when that? When you're his age. Yeah. Could, could his mom come over here and kill him? Would that be okay? Because it is the woman's choice. It was her body. Is that where we are in this society? Amazing. I mean, I'm clip. digging myself. I'm digging my own grave here. Nope. It ain't your grave. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not yours. It's, uh, there's millions of them. You are digging, though. I will give you that. Uh, this is uh, Ezra Levant. Is this is, is yes. name, right? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, anyway, well, go, it's a great site, and they do great work there. So, um, it's an amazing uh, clip, though. I, it's this has become more of an issue for me in the past uh, few years. I guess maybe, I guess partially, it's sort of cliched because I've had kids. I don't know, but it's partially one of those things where I always sort of saw it as an as a. Somewhat an annoying talk radio topic. It's like, all right, this group says this, this group says this. But I, I went through many exercises like the one you just saw, which is like trying to put a date on that, and you realize what you're doing. Because I was, all, you know, I've been pro-life for a really long time, but it just as an issue, it just feels like one of those things that you're never going to get the other side to 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 change on. And you know, both sides are they're entrenched in their ways, and. It's just a, a boring topic. Uh, uh, you know, it's just like one of those yeah, things. You never win. You never win. That you go around and around in a circle. It was describing it like a Ferris wheel. You're on a Ferris wheel. You just keep going around and around and around and around, and you never get anywhere. But it's actually, it's such an important issue. You have to put the effort in on it. You know, it's, it's, it's an issue where you're talking about, I mean, we put in all the effort to make sure tax rates don't go from 35 to 39.6%. <laughs> and you're talking about millions of dead people. Millions of people that would be alive are not alive because of this policy. It kind of puts a, you know, an, an issue of importance on it that you can't back down from this. Like we talk about social issues, and for whatever reason, abortion is put into this framing of social issues where gay marriage lives, or um, I don't know what the, what the other social issues are. You know, um, contraception, where those things live that have nothing to do necessarily with a human life ending right. um and you know contraception i know there's uh, the fringes of that there's some disagreement on that but i mean you're talking about condoms for example like that it's a different world um sexual cho who you want to have sex with a different world than okay there's somebody who's alive and now they're not alive well, I mean, it's something we should probably make a big deal about. You have to believe there's somebody, though, right? You have yeah. To believe it's a and, person. And I think, people. and I, I don't necessarily like. I, I've talked about this before, in that like people like Nayral, the most pro-abortion group in the world. People like Sandra Fluck, who come out and say, "All right, look, um, you know, 
it's, it's not safe, legal, and rare. It's safe and legal. Screw right. rare. You know what I mean? It, I can at least understand that viewpoint because it's a little bit more consistent. You're saying, look, no matter what, mom can do whatever she wants. I don't care if it's 10 seconds before that thing is born. Kill it. Okay. All right. Well, at least you're saying you have some level of consistency. The the stranger viewpoint is to say, oh, well, it's absolutely... Uh, it's a person here. It's not a person. person. This minute is the separation. Let me give you the exact second where this becomes, this is not a person, and now it is. Right. And, like, you could say, well, it's up to a woman to decide that. No, it's not. Not when it's a human life. The, the, the idea of the society as, as in our founding documents is life, liberty, and the, it's the first yeah, right. one of the three. Yeah, when you decide, once you decide it's a human life, then it's not your choice. Right. But how can it possibly be the case, as we just saw with this person, who was saying it's, the person's, it's not the person's choice after birth? It, 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 it's like at some point, that person, the baby can't make a choice, an audible, uh, conscious decision to stay alive. Is it until that point when, you know, your kid starts talking and say, no, daddy, don't kill me? Is that the point we don't allow it? Yes. I mean, it's, it's a completely arbitrary line, no matter where you cut That's, it, uh, unless you cut it at conception. What's really? his face, right? Singer. Yeah, for, uh, Peter Singer, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, from uh, Princeton. Five, six. Who says? Who initially said, I think, two or three, and then I think did extend it, and then said, look, you can't put a number on it. He can't put a number on it because he believes that uh, it's up until right, almost, almost to the point of daddy don't kill me. Yeah, it's, it's consciousness and communication, Sorry, essentially, mommy. seems to be his standard. Right. And look, I mean, when you're talking about human lives, it's different. Yeah. It's, that's the ultimate right person needs to be protected. I mean, what, what is the argument for saying, for, for convicting someone for leaving their baby in a car? If it, uh, right. It's not a person. You could, so 10, so it, 10 seconds before they're born, right, you can't, uh, you can kill it. But if, if it's born, you pop, bring it out to the SUV and you leave it in the parking lot for an hour. That's totally, that's a horrific crime. That's it, murder. You're going to jail. Yeah, I mean, we broke this down in, in a monologue we did a while ago of, like, you know, um, Kermit Gosnell, who, if he had committed these abortions uh, one minute later, in some instances, he would be uh, a murderer. And if he did it one minute earlier... He would be a heroic doctor that fights for women's rights and, uh, by the way, has a Porsche and a country club membership. It's like, how can that possibly be a standard that we embrace as, is, as logical human beings? I mean, I understand the political uh, climate brings us to places that are not logical quite often. I get that. But I, we have to continue to fight for it. You have to stand up for it because it's it's... Obviously, what we're doing is completely nuts. <laughs> I mean, it makes zero sense. Oh, it's too many people. It's too many people anyway, Stu. Don't worry about it. They're not saying, by the way, um, 22 weeks is the new line where you it's can actually, you can, ha you can live now 22 weeks Yeah. Uh, on your own, completely on your own. Um, and uh, it used to be when Roe versus Wade happened, it was 28 weeks. So they've moved in the time since Roe versus Wade to today. They've moved that forward six weeks, and we've even or you would say about twenty-five percent of of the amount of time. We have actually. I mean, I'm sure that they're probably saying that's the safe age uh, of being able to survive, but we have seen it earlier than that. Yeah, uh, may have. I know, um, and still, it's still hard. It's still mm -hmm. not necessarily uh, the likely outcome. You may have issues at that at that age, but again, like that is. 
I mean, there should be no argument. This is why, like, Republicans are saying, look, we understand how controversial this is. So let's just do, let's go to something that we can all agree on. 20 weeks. You want to say 20 weeks? You want to say 22 weeks? You want to say 24 weeks? And still those things are fought by people, even though they're supported by 80 and 90 percent of the population in many cases. It really is one of those situations where um, because it's a difficult fight, a lot of people will fall out of it. But, you know, I don't think you can do that. And they fight seeing it, you know, the ultrasounds and the yeah, yes. unbelievable. <laughs> are you being honest? Are we being honest with ourselves? Because guess what? At 21 weeks, uh, it doesn't look like a Buick. No, it does not. It doesn't look like a Tesla. Okay, it looks like a I don't know, a human. It, but worst thing is, if it did look like a Tesla, they'd want to have it. <laughs> it wouldn't be aborting a Tesla. I've got a green baby. It's, it's helping the environment. Uh, rap mogul Jay-Z, by the way, has quietly used his uh, wealth, according to Yahoo News, to post bail for people arrested in protests across the United States against police excesses. So like the Baltimore protests, Ferguson. He's using his cash to bail people out. Writer and activist who worked with Jay-Z on his memoir, Decoded, made the revelations in a series of messages on Twitter that she later deleted, but were reproduced in the hip-hop magazine Complex, which I think we all are subscribers uh, to. When we needed money for bail for Baltimore protesters, I hit Jay up, as I had for Ferguson, and he wired tens of thousands of dollars within minutes. There you go. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, I guess you give him some credit for standing where he... Uh, Again, this is not—he's not a um, journalist, and so he's able to make these sorts of Correct. donations that would indicate Correct. a viewpoint, uh, and it's not necessarily controversial. And I guess it's good that he's stepping up. I just—I feel like a lot of times, uh, you know, we—you don't look at the facts of these issues. You know, Baltimore. Uh, look, these guys were charged with uh, with murder. Why would he be Ferguson? They didn't. They were not because they didn't seemingly do anything wrong. Um. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, Hampton claimed that uh, Jay-Z and his pop star wife Beyonce wrote a huge check, too, supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. But then she said she deleted the tweets because Jay-Z would be pissed to see I was offering evidence that he is taking action. Why? Why? Um, you know, maybe he just doesn't want to be. You'd think, all right, I, I don't want to be. Now everybody's hitting. Not trying to make a big deal about my charity or, yeah, that's another issue. Everybody. Jay-Z! Bro, I've been in jail for six months. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. How many times have you said that? Just in regular conversation. But not to Jay-Z. Jay-Z. I never Jay-Z. asked Jay-Z. I didn't know he was giving out cash. <laughs> You're like, bail bondsman. Uh, okay, Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven back is the phone number. More with uh, Fat and Stu in just a minute. Stu, Triple Eight, Seven Twenty Seven, Beck, Jeffrey, here. Sorry. Hi. The Islamic State uh, has uh, claimed now they they hold the entire Iraqi city of Ramadi Yay. after security forces fled following a series of suicide car bomb attacks. Uh, this is interesting, kind of, kind of coming on the tail of the administration going to the media and saying, "Hey, uh, can you watch what uh, you know, B-roll you're using?" Can you? <laughs> B-roll is the stuff that you see, like, it's kind of like 
generic wallpaper sort of footage. Like they're talking about, uh, you know, ISIS in general. And you'll see trainers, uh, you know, on the jungle gyms, that sort of fo footage, you know, where they're right. like training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like in, in with ISIS, they're taking footage of them operating in major cities in broad daylight because that's what they were doing a year ago when this thing all started. Yeah, Their case was everything's fine now, so you don't, can't use that anymore because it gives the impression we're not winning. And then this, they took over. They're, they're not winning. Yeah, they're not winning. I loved my uh, my father-in-law's uh, explanation was, yeah, ISIS took Ramadi. Figures the Iraqi army just turned and ran. That was it. Yeah, security <laughs> forces it. is the yeah. Iraqi. I mean, just turned and ran. And that's how this that's thing got started. Ticket. Again, this is. The point is that you're not supposed, like we were supposed to go in there and train these guys so they would be able to do this themselves, right. which doesn't seem to be happening. No. The prime minister ordered Shiite militias to prepare to go into the Sunni-dominated uh, region, ignoring worries that their presence could spark sectarian bloodshed, apparently over fears that extremists could seize the province. This is the Anbar province. Uh, retreat of some forces recalled the collapse of the Iraqi police and military force last summer when ISIS kind of rose to power in the first place. Uh, you know, uh, I, the White House is trying to make the other side of the case, as I mentioned to the media. They're also doing it publicly. This is uh, last Friday during the White House press conferences. Uh, White House press conference. Uh, Deputy Press Secretary Eric Schultz said ISIS had been blunted in recent months. Watch. There's been talk from the podium about progress that's been made against ISIL. This is obviously uh, seems like a big setback. What is the White House assessment? Are we losing this war? Do we need to do something differently? And what's the White House doing to try and prevent this critical city from falling? We do continue to work, uh, Stephen, with our coalition partners along several lines of effort to, to degrade and ultimately destroy ISIL. The coalition has conducted over 3,900 airstrikes against ISIL terrorists, nearly 2,400 in Iraq and nearly 1,500 in Syria. We've taken out thousands of ISIL's fighters and over 6,000 specific ISIL targets, including numerous commanders. As a result of this effort, ISIL's momentum has indeed been blunted. Its ability to mass and maneuver forces degraded. Its leadership cells pressured or eliminated. Its command and control and supply lines severed. And despite these successes, the president has made clear that there's going to be ebbs and flows in this fight. This guy's great. Is that the deputy or the deputy deputy yeah, that's deputy? The deputy deputy. deputy that's uh, that's like uh, that's your sixth stringer. That's the deputy uh, deputy, deputy dog. Like if you want to just have Fantastic. someone read a statement, you can just post it online. You know, <laughs> you don't need to have a person in that gig. Uh, no, you know, it's an which that particular job. statement I bet was posted online prior to him even reading it. Well, he's clearly. I mean, he's uh, trying to hide that he's just reading a boilerplate statement about uh, about ISIS in general. Um, you know, again, as I've said many times, it is an impossible job. Of course. You're trying to defend positions you know are not true. You're trying to argue for an administration that has been in a complete failure and act like they're a success. It's not something that's easy. Uh, and so reading specific words helps in that case yes, because at least you have your best kind of foot forward and you don't stumble and by mistake admit what's actually going on. So I understand that. But... You know, you might want to get somebody who is at least going to read it halfway convincing. He doesn't even look convinced of the words on the page. I <laughs> know <laughs> he's pretty good. And he just looked up. And obviously. And obviously. 
we can consider it a success. Yeah, we, it's kind of bad. Um, and how about uh, the Blaze has a story up? You can get this, of course, at theblaze.com. Islamic State jihadists have been making this threat on Europe for a while now. One Libyan advisor says they're carrying it out. What, what threat are we talking about? Smuggling militants into Europe by boat. Yeah. It's kind of like a really crappy carnival cruise. That would be a really crappy carnival <laughs> cruise. You're on there like at the buffet next to a bunch of ISIS members. It's not uh, <laughs> not good. Uh, Libyan Are you Christian. I am for as long as this thing's floating. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Uh, the uh, government advisor Abdul Basit Haroun told BBC Sunday that the smugglers are placing members of the terrorist group among African migrants setting out uh, to the often perilous Mediterranean Sea journey. Uh, this is not a surprise. I mean, they've been talking about, pro they've really been promising this sort of yes, thing for a long time, but it's a little disturbing. And they've promised to, I mean, they've promised to take our president out and promised to attack us in the United States. And they've promised to do a lot of things. And what is it, what is it going to take for us to actually react to what they're doing? I mean, do we just sit back and say, yeah, well, just take Iraq? Be done. It's all yours. I don't know. I mean, where do you... Rocky, it's all yours. If you guys stop them, stop them. If not... We sort of had this conversation on the air today, and which is, you know, what do you do? I don't know. I mean, the easy answer is carpet bomb. Right, that carpet is Carpet bomb yeah. the whole thing. It's, it's an easy cop-out answer. I know. And I mean, first of all, it's not going to happen. Second of all, like, I mean, you don't... Obviously, there's a... You'd be killing a lot of innocent people. I know. And it's not something you I want know. to do. No. So, I... I, I I honestly think, I'm not saying that he's executing this properly, but Barack Obama's stance on this, take out the way he's executing the stance, but the yeah. stance on this, which is essentially we're going to do targeted bombings and let the, the people on the, on the ground be the uh, Iraqi troops, and sometimes they'll push back and we'll have to bomb a little bit more in a specific area, but we'll just try to slow them down, we'll try to blunt them, we'll de degrade them. No, you're right, it's not I that. Mean, I mean, it's kind of what you need to do, I guess. I, I don't know, I, I don't want ground troops in there. I don't want to re-engage with the region yet again. I don't want a full onslaught, but I don't want to necessarily do nothing. Uh, I, you know, maybe you do. I would say libertarians are probably arguing for nothing, right? Yeah. I would like to, I haven't heard much of that. We should see if we can find out what the, the, the view of the, not Rand Paul, but this, the actual libertarian, like what's reason.com saying about what we should do in Iraq? I'm, certainly they're saying it's our fault for starting it in the first place or whatever, but what do they want us to do? Yeah, now, now, today, okay, it's our fault. We started it. It's over. It, shouldn't, it wouldn't be like this if you guys had to go. Right, and then, okay, but that's done. And let's just say you're right on that one or whatever is going to get you to this next point. Right. Now what? I don't know. I don't know, because I, I would think the libertarian strain would say, look. Get out. Get out. If ISIS is going to be their leadership, ISIS is going to be get their out. leadership. Tell them that uh, you're on your own. Good luck. God bless. Yeah, I mean, I, we don't want it to happen, but it's not, it's not our business. It's their country, their borders. Get everybody out of there. I would and think then, that's the position, uh, right? And then what? We have to uh, concern ourselves with who, what, and where we do business with as a country. Yeah. And I don't know that, uh, by the way, that that's a, the wrong position. It may be the right one. I mean, it's, it's certainly, I would say it's more right than Lindsey Graham, who, by the way, is going to announce his presidential run if he hasn't already. No. He, the Lindsey Graham? The Lindsey Graham is running oh, for president. Fantastic. Now, he got a strong 56% of fantastic. Republicans in his state to vote for him. So why wouldn't you run for president? <laughs> Uh, I mean, with that record, wow. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit more uh, as we go forward. And we have some uh, new stuff. This Al Sharpton lawsuit is awesome. I love it. we got to talk about this coming up. 888-727-BECK is the phone number. Back with more in just a moment. He has raised the children. He has. Uh, there's an heir to the throne, apparently.
Brian, so we found uh, a press release from the Libertarian Party in which they basically say, get out. There you go. No intervention at all. Uh, you know, they basically taking uh, Rand Paul to task for being too aggressive. There so go. there you go. That's their stance. And I'm not surprised by that. You know, it was interesting. I was thinking about this. I don't know why. And we talk about, like, World War II as the example of war. Um, you know, obviously, right. brutal war, terrible war. But you need to take strong stances. You need to go up there and you need to say... Go in, you win. Make, make, yeah, win and make these things happen. And, and, and we look at that as sort of a... You know, obviously, like, conservatives tend to look at that and say, well, we did the right thing, we were victorious, yay us, right? But isn't that example, um, and I mean this in a negative way, an example of us following what libertarians tell us we should do all the time. Because what we did is we sat there and didn't really get involved. And I know you can, you can, uh, you can play with this around the edges. Right. But we didn't really get involved in World War II yeah, until we got bombed. Now, we had some involvement, and we obviously had some allies, and I know in a pure world of libertarianism, maybe some of that wouldn't have happened, and maybe some, some of it wouldn't have been different. Still, though. But we waited, and, and Nazi Germany gained strength, and they started killing a bunch of people, and they gained more power, and they gained more territory, and we stayed, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and finally, Japan bombed us, and that brought us in, which is what the libertarian standard typically is. Wait till you're attacked. If you're attacked, if then you're attacked, then it's okay, but don't, you know, don't just jump to conclusions and try to stop things preemptively. So that's what we did in World War II. Yeah, and yes, we did win, but at what cost? It was, the most, it was the worst thing that's essentially ever happened to humanity, this side of, you know, flu outbreaks. You know, millions of people bad. died because of this. And now, is it possible that we could have jumped in earlier and stopped this? Maybe. I mean, I don't know that anyone was even advocating for it, honestly, but it's possible. Maybe. Um, well, even if we had jumped in earlier, we may not have had the resolve to do it as good as we did it in the end. Yeah, and I think that is one thing that does happen when you listen to that. Um, when you wait until 9-11 uh, happens, your country has the resolve to go sure take down Afghanistan and in and, and that way um, and start a war on terror and do the Patriot Act and all those things that you could say are nefarious, but many times aren't. They're just, right. honestly, policy prescriptions that wind up not working out particularly well. It's an interesting argument, I, and I, I feel like it's a... It's, a, it's one where conservatives, among different things, I mean, gay marriage is probably on this plane to some degree. Uh, pot, as we're going to talk about this week, is on that plane of where conservatives are looking at their positions that they've held in the past and reexamining and saying, am I consistent? Am I doing the thing that's best for the country? And I think that's healthy, by the Boy, way. Boy, we have so many friends around the world. Mm -hmm. If we pulled out. I'm not necessarily advocating know. for pulling out of everywhere like libertarians know. are. There are certain things we could probably do. But, uh, you know, I, we, I think we do need to change our standard of what we consider uh, action-worthy. You know what I mean? Like, and this is what I've, I've kind of brought this up with ISIS because I feel like we're going down the same path that we were going to. Iraq was, they were doing terrible things to their people. They were. Yeah, they were. They were. But we were finding mass graves. We did find many of them. Uh, these things actually happened. Um, he did gas his own people, uh, although it was, mm -hmm. you know, quite an event. He was shooting at our, our jets as they were passing over in a no-fly zone. Uh, but you look at with ISIS, what have they done? They've, they've killed a lot of their own people. They've killed some Americans and, and a few journalists and, and terrible, terrible, tragic things like that. They've beheaded people. They've done very brutal things. They've abducted. They've killed Christians. They've done all sorts of terrible, terrible things. But they haven't done anything like 9-11.
No, not even close. They just they say it. killed three thousands of pe thousands of people on our territory. They just say it. We're going to do it. We're going to oh, do it. Okay, well, they well. might. Well, that and like I think the libertarian position would be like, all right. Well, when they do, we'll we'll take them out. And we can also. Uh, but it makes it much know, more difficult to do. Right, and we can also you know kind of take a look at. Okay, they're saying it. Um, we're not going to get involved, but we are going to take some uh, precautions to have them not do it against us. <laughs> yes, that? uh, and that's where the preemptive uh, stuff gets in. Well, it's an interesting well, debate, and it will continue, uh, but not right now because we don't have any time to do it. Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the phone number. Back with more in just a second. Is there a spoon segment for me? No, where's the food? Oh yeah, maybe that drop. Dominique Sharpton, daughter of Al, suing New York City for $5 million. Now, Just why, why is she doing that? You'd think, well, haven't they taken enough money out of the city? Apparently not. They can't even pay their taxes. Uh, so she's uh, suing New York for $5 million because she sprained her ankle last year. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. That, I've, man I wish I'd have known you could sue the city for that. We were in New York. I've twisted my ankle a couple of times. You would, you would f make sure you twisted your oh ankle a couple gosh. times. Oh, my gosh. Especially like the, uh, when you get out of the cab in the, in the springtime and there's just nothing but slush mm -hmm. in the, next to the curb and you oh, step yeah. down in it. Oh, you could hurt yourself bad. Did you or are you saying? No, you could. And if someone were to hurt themselves, they should sue the city. That's all I'm saying. I would not agree with that. But if you were going to hurt, like, let's just say, because she's saying, okay, it was uneven pavement led to my oh, ankle gosh. sprain. Now, first of all, everybody's had an issue where maybe they've tripped over something. Yes. And is it the city's fault? I don't know. Maybe in some technical legal sense, maybe it is. I have no idea. Um, but uh, it's interesting because y even if you were going to sue and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to sue for all this money. Uh, is it $5 million for a sprained ankle? <laughs> like maybe it's $5,000. Maybe. Maybe for like a, a hospital visit. This is if you're uninsured, a hospital visit, maybe a little bit of, you miss a, a couple weeks of work. I don't know. I'm just, you know, maybe it's 5000 let's say 10000 if you want to go crazy. Yeah, especially, as, I mean, uneven pavement. That's not falling down a manhole. No, it's not something where there's obvious crazy negligence. Right. I mean, uneven pavement, it's, you know, it happens everywhere, obviously. You know, but that, look, what is it? Uh, Dominic is a busy, strong woman. Right. And, her ankles. She couldn't. She couldn't be out there hawking money. Right. Huh? right. So she, she's, five million. Look, she wants to be very busy. She, she's going to make five million dollars, but she just missed that, that. Right. Now it's interesting because, and this is the news story today. It's not that she filed a lawsuit. It's because she posted pictures of herself climbing a giant mountain. Uh, here, here's one of them. Where she, that's her uh, looking at the camera above the clouds. She writes, we hiked up the mountain over the clouds into the sunrise, one of the most beautiful sights ever. And yes, I almost died getting up there. LOL. Um, we made it. 
Um, well, I, my favorite part of this is uh, is the third comment, which says, "Amazing, this will be a defining moment in your life." Yes, it will. <laughs> it will be the moment you were caught lying in a lawsuit. Um, whether it's actually defining and she actually learns anything from it uh, is highly way. doubtful, considering her upbringing. Uh, but uh, oh, wow! My gosh. Are we sure that the picture was taken? Uh, you know, she'll argue that it had to have been taken. The trip had to be before the sprained ankle, right? I don't think so. I think it's after. I mean, maybe she's saying she's healed. Um, and it's an interesting thing. Of this is another lesson to learn, because uh, here she is, another one. We uh, out here enjoying mountain life. She hiked up a freaking mountain with this brutal five million dollars sprained ankle. Um, now look at that one ankle, though. I don't see much of it. She climbed up a mountain, Jeffy. Um, you know, it's interesting because uh, this goes to one of the things I always complain about, which is privacy online, huh. uh, as I was bitching about during the show yet again today, um, which is she posted this on Instagram, but she is a private Instagram account. Uh, it was private, yet this is still out there. Now, Jeffy, if some people were speculating, all right, well, maybe someone, one of her friends was actually against her and captured the pictures. No, no. Apparently, what happened was she had linked this to her Twitter account, and somehow, I guess if you do that, people can see your Instagram pictures, well, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I think it, uh, it asks you, um, if it tells you that if you post it, that it private goes away when you post them. Pretty sure it, it tells you that Wait, it is. What's the point of that? <laughs> no, if, Say that, explain that if, again. If you, have a, if, you, if you private the shot on yeah. Instagram, mm -hmm. and then you post it to Facebook or Twitter, it will tell you uh, posting it on Twitter or Facebook uh, it's no longer private. Well, yeah, but the, the, she didn't post it. She just has her accounts linked. Plus, uh, you can still, you can't share on Instagram. Uh, I think they made a new, their new app, I think you can share. But I, uh, you can still, uh, forget how my wife was doing it. <laughs> I gotta remember. Yeah, I don't I'm know either. I'll check I'll, my Instagram account. But yeah, a lot of people have these accounts linked to each other because you know, like if I want yes. to post something to both Facebook and Instagram and Twitter Twitter at the same time, you know, whatever, whatever. However, these things are linked. Um, sometimes it will just send an alert. There's a new Instagram photo up, and you can click on the link. And of course, if you're a friend, you can see it. But I guess somehow. You know, you have to remember. This is the thing. All these things. Ooh, every I one of these. Share that shot. Never mind. Um, I don't know. Let's do a little. Well, please later. don't. Please don't speak anymore. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, if you have an account like this and you think it's private, every other thing in every other freaking settings thing, every other settings uh, settings uh, panel, you have to go in there and you have to make all those right. private. And if you don't, if you miss one of them. This sort of crap can happen to you. And again, it can't happen to you unless you're filing false $5 million lawsuits. Right. So that is an issue, and I will grant you Lindsay that. Lindsey Graham, is that you? Yeah, right, exactly. You should know. I mean, I, I'm not I, you know, it's you. it's up to you to use these services. This is not the NSA. But you should know when these things go out, get out there. You should just basically assume everything you do is out there. And that was kind of the argument someone made to me off the air today. It was like right. when I was complaining about Periscope, it's like, well, you should just assume everything uh, you do is on the air. It's like, I don't want to do that. No, I'm not assuming everything I do is on the air. That's not right. This is a place of business. And it's just the same thing that happened with my wife this weekend. She's on Periscope all all weekend. She's now obsessed with it. And so I, I, I go up and I get the kids and I'm bringing them down. And I walk into the kitchen and all of a sudden I'm on freaking television. I don't want to be on television. I'm on television all the time. Obviously, as anyone who, can, who watches this network would attest, far too much. 
I'm on television too often. Okay? No one wants to see more of me. Nobody. And it's like, well, I don't want to participate in this. I don't. Yet, I, somehow, like, we've skipped the step where you have to agree. Everybody, every fat guy on a news broadcast gets his face blurred out because he gets to not choose to be broadcasted. Yet Periscope, oh, it's because it's not my fault. Oh, you're on TV. Congratulations. You're on TV. You're on TV. Say something. No. Ask me first. And if I say yes, then you can put me on TV. But apparently that standard has changed in the last, like, month without anybody having a conversation about it. It's long gone. Long gone. I don't think it is long gone. It seems to be new. I mean, even YouTube, for example, YouTube gives you a, a layer of protection. So, like, if someone's out there and they're videoing with their phone, right? And I walk in and I get Jeffy and you know, he's saying some, something about a drug deal he doesn't want online, right? Okay. I could stop it and then I have to take an extra step of posting that video. I have to say, look, you know, Jeffy, you know, do you care if I post this? And you could say, dude, dude, don't, I was talking about drugs. Can you not post that? <laughs> And you would say, tough. Well, I would say tough, but at least you'd have a chance. Uh, with, <laughs> with Periscope, it's just on. You just Everything that happens it just happens in real time, and it's out there. And it's great for things like, yes, the Baltimore riots. And I know there's cases where it can be used. It but just I, goes away, though, right? I mean, it's only live for just a little bit. No, it just goes away forever. Not Periscope. It's just gone. It's there. It's, Meerkat, what? I think, uh, by default, does not post them. But essentially what Periscope does, it just turns it into a YouTube video. You know, it's not on YouTube, but like that type of thing. It's just now video you can play back with the comments and the hearts and all the stuff that go on with it. And, you know, you know, it's just I know it's a new world and I know I'm not going to be comfortable with it. I had a long conversation with a friend of mine about uh, Snapchat this weekend. And I made the point that I always make, which is the only reason you never use Snapchat is for child porn. Let's be honest about it. That's it. This is child porn. Oh, no, that's not. Boy, do I disagree <laughs> with that. Now, 100%. I will. 100%. I will grant you the possibility of regular porn also exists. Thank you. Okay? It's not all child Thank porn. You. It's mainly child porn, but no. it's not all child porn. Uh, but he was trying to convince me that there is a legitimate use for it, uh, which th- they're starting to be a little bit more because they've d- they're doing things that are. They're working hard at it. They are, first of all, trying to. I'm just saying. A lot of knowledge about this, and it doesn't make me comfortable. Uh, but it's, you know, they're starting to do stuff where there's this thing they have called, I think it's called My Story, where it'll show you their last 24 hours, and you can go on there and kind of check out, like, I can go to Jeffy's page and see what he's done in the last uh, 24 hours right. of what he wanted to print. And the person was ex- explaining it to me. It's like, basically, like, you have to think of, like, Facebook uh, being high-level content. Like, Facebook, you post a good picture, and you tell a story about a good event, where... Something like um, Snapchat is this dumb thing that no one should care about that you just post. post. It's like lower level content. Right. It's like, you know, this is how people communicate today and, you know, you, you post it up there. Which I, I, I keep saying, it's like, all of this is fine, except for the idea that it automatically deletes. There's no reason for it to delete unless it's child porn. And then the excuse I got was, well, but there, you know, some people only have the 16 gig phones. So they don't have a lot of space for photos. All yes, right. dude. All, all right, all right, okay, that's where we're going to go. Now, look, I, I, obviously a lot of people do use it for things other than child porn. I just don't think it's, there's any neat, there's no reason for it. They're trying, to ex, they're trying to increase the uses of it to make, to give regular people an excuse to go on it. Because as of now, like I was talking about it, uh, you know, you're just like, well, what else would you do? You've got uh, porn, child porn, 
you know, I don't know, trying to communicate with someone you don't want the communication to be a, re there be a record of it. I use it for woodworking. Yeah, you use it for. I use it for woodworking. You use it. Have, meet me at the corner of Eighth and Main, um, and I will drop a package on the ground, and you pick it up. Delete. It automatically deletes. The person saw it, and now they can go pick up that package on Eighth and Main. And that's essential. I mean, I got to imagine that's a big part of it as well. <laughs> Illegal activity is what I'm saying. Jeffy. It's because somebody dropped a package off on a corner, that's illegal all of a sudden? Uh, yeah, no, it's not. Okay. Technically, it's just a matter of what's in the package, which makes it illegal. Um, but I, this is the issue, and I, and I know as I'm having these conversations and I'm complaining about this, I realize fully uh, aware, awake and aware, that I'm just old. That's actually what I'm saying in long form. The short form of me saying this is I'm old. And the long form of me saying it is all the crap I've been saying. I get that the world is different. I get that, you know, if you're, you know, 16 years old right now, this is your world. And this is what you do. You don't care about these things. And Glenn talks about it all the time, being like, we're going to get to a situation where there is no privacy. And I think he's right. I think it's, it's not going to be one of those things where the government says, you can't have privacy. It's just everyone's just going to willingly throw it at the government. Right. They're throw it everywhere. It's already going to be out there. Every camera on you all the time, nothing private. It's just, it is what it is, and everyone accepts it uh, and realizes that you're going to have embarrassing moments. You're going to be nude on the internet for people to see. You're going to, you know, right. someone's going to have video of you, you know, doing whatever you do in your time. I'll show some no, I'd, I'd rather not see what you have. Uh, but I mean, it, I, it's a disturbing world to me. And I think that's because I just don't like it. I don't, you know, I, I, maybe it's because. I think that has more to do with it than you're old, is that you just don't like it. Well, it's also that I'm old. Uh, it, it, because it, to me, I see it as a change, where someone who's 16 years old sees it as the way like things the way are. Well, so I, I see it as a, a disturbing change, where they don't see it as a change at all. Now, there's some people who are old, like me and like you, who see this as a good change and want to adapt yeah, to it. And you're kind of in that group. Just some, at some level, not that level, though. You're not like, I'm on all these things all the no, time. No, I still want private time. Yeah, I want private time. I still want private time. And I do still, I think I still am walking down the stew, uh, ask me. You want to be asked before asked. you're broadcast to thousands yeah. of people. Wow, what a novel concept. I think I'm still there. I mean, there's got to be a lawsuit about this. Periscope. There must be a lawsuit at some point soon. You can't just broadcast. When has that ever been? This is not a I'm taking a, a, a picture for my own personal use. Yes, that's possible. But being broadcasted? I mean, look how many. Look at every freaking documentary or show when crowds walk by. Half their faces, because they didn't get releases, and are blacked the, out oh, or man, blurred. All the rules that we have to follow to be on radio and television. Yeah. I know that we're on the Internet, but we're also on television. Mm -hmm. So that there's rules that we have to follow there on the outside of that being on the Internet and the radio. And then... It's going to become so complicated. They're just going to say, yeah. all right, now you just do whatever you want. It's going to be so complicated. You can't get rights releases from every person you put on your phone. But you're broadcasting it to potentially thousands of people. If not millions. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's potential. just getting started. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's an I interesting thing. And I don't know, maybe we'll, uh, go on, maybe we'll go on Periscope. You can go on Periscope in the break and you can, you can talk to people. We're at, we have patents, too. We do have a Periscope, of course. Of course we but do. it's like, you know, like sometimes we'll always be like me and Jeff, you're, you know, talking about some drug dealer did last <laughs> week. And then you'll go over and there's someone holding the phone and broadcasting live.
Fat and Stew yeah, with Periscope. Mike was on mute. It's just the video. Yeah, that Nobody knows what we're talking about. Sure. Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the phone number. We'll uh, move on from my uh, my I don't know Unabomber style anti technology stance in just a moment, uh, and we'll be back. By the way, watch us on Periscope. Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the phone number. Uh, let's go to uh, our illustrious president. You're a big fan, right? Oh my gosh! Um, be yes. Before we start the segment, I, I should tell you twice. I donated five hundred million dollars to the Barack Obama Foundation. <laughs> just to let you know, I, so you know, I want to make sure, just like George Stephanopoulos, I disclose such things. Uh, he was brilliant though the other day, uh, speaking uh, at Camp David about the situation in Syria, which, as we said. Uh, when they came up with this ridiculous solution after John Kerry basically butchered his public statement and it led to Russia bullying us into dealing with Syria the way that we did, that it was not going to work out well and that there would still be chemical weapons and these things would still go on. Uh, Obama dealt with this new red line last week. It is true that we've seen reports about the use of chlorine in bombs that have the effect of chemical weapons. Chlorine itself historically has not been listed as a chemical weapon, but when it is used in this fashion, uh, can be considered uh, a prohibited uh, use of that uh, particular chemical. And so we're working with the international community to investigate that. And in fact, if we have the kinds of confirmation that we need, uh, we will uh, once again work with the international community and the organization charged with monitoring compliance by the Syrian government. And we will reach out to patrons of Assad like Russia uh, to put a stop to it. Oh, no. There go the pools in Syria. There go, there go the pools. <laughs> That's your issue? You're worried about the pools well, in Syria? If, if they start banning chlorine in Syria, hmm. there go the pools. Now, chlorine, typically a pretty difficult thing to ban. You really have a tough time with that. Um, this is the thing that Patrick Moore, I think, talked about back in the day. You know, chlorine being an element. Right. So difficult to ban. Um, <laughs> you can't ban an element. You sure? It's like when it's on the periodic table, people will find it difficult to ban. Uh, but that's the point, which makes this so stupid. Historically, it hasn't been used as a, uh, hasn't been called a chemical weapon. Well, it, historically, it's an element. It's on the periodic table. It's not always, it's in a, our pools. It's in our water. It's not always a chemical weapon. But when you put it in a bomb and use it as a gas to explode and cause damage, then, yeah, it it's turns a into a chemical weapon. Um, historically, it's not. Well, it was used widely in World War I as a chemical weapon. So historically, it has... Uh, but it's just another statement. Like, we're just supposed to swallow this stuff. Yep. Uh, and look, as long as he says it, it's true. Because he just keeps hammering it home. Same page. I said it, it's true. That is you, really you, the only thing we're supposed to. You're questioning me? Yeah. I said it, it's true. But, but if I question you, what are you going to say? <laughs> 
I said it. It's true. <laughs> or that I'm a racist. One of the two are the only two responses. What do you think? I was born in Kenya, too? Uh, yeah, no, I don't. How about, uh, how about Chris Matthews, I guess? We'll do some of Chris Matthews here. I just, it's, tough. it's tough to deal with. Matthews talking about, uh, uh, talking about the Amtrak situation. Now, this is following up on his brilliant analysis. How do we right. get rid of all those curves, curves in the track? Curved tracks are the real enemy here. How do we get and rid of those curves? How do we get rid of all those curves was his analysis <laughs> the first day. Let's see if he's uh, improved at all. Watch. Douche all the fame. When you talk about uniting the country, that is a beautiful idea, and we all love that idea. But we have a situation right now where there are 180 congressional districts where nobody takes the train ever, yeah, not right. Amtrak, yep. and two-thirds of those are represented by Republicans, and they don't care about us. I mean, I'm, it makes me sad to hear about so it. So they treat uh, trains like Hispanics. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have enough in our district to we, worry about. So exactly. Yeah, so we don't care about immigration reform. Way, we don't care about trains. Tra train rides are the. I used to say that Ted Kennedy could beat Jimmy Carter anywhere on the Amtrak route <laughs> because it is more liberal. Anyway, thank you. God, he's stupid. <laughs> I love. I actually the part of of, of that though that is. Uh, uh, by the way, it's stupid to talk about Amtrak funding. Again, I don't want to defend John Boehner. I think he sucks. But it's stupid to talk about Amtrak funding because they get plenty of money. And by the way, the appropriate amount of money to give to a train is zero dollars. Okay? My tax dollars should not be going to fund travel of media members between New York City and Washington. Okay? I love what she's like, I can't believe I'm so sad. They don't care about us. You know, you know what? No, we don't care about you, who's probably making well into six figures, has plenty of money. It has to travel to go to the MSNBC studios as part of your work. No, I'm not thinking about you at all. Do it on your own. Take a plane if you really want to do it. By the way, I used to say Tech Kennedy could be Jimmy Carter anywhere up and down the Amtrak line. Yeah, that's hilarious there. Yeah, that's, uh, he, this is a, I mean, you want to talk about a guy stuck in the past. Like, he oh thinks that's gosh. hilarious because he thinks people relate to it. Kennedy's dead. Carter looks Should like he's be. dead. I mean, he's what, a thousand years old. He looks certainly like he's dead. Uh, and your big, your big tipping point with Tip O'Neill dead. Yeah, it's like, he just, but he's in that world where he just keeps bringing these people up. Um, and I actually don't think Chris was the problem with that clip. She, I don't know who that was, but uh, she was actually worse. Do we have that on here? Joan Walsh of Salon. What a surprise! Oh, she's go. worse. Yeah, Salon is as an organization, <laughs> it's a website. They have done something that I think is interesting in the media landscape, which is they've stopped trying. Uh, there was a time, I think, well, where they, they tried to give to liberal that, opinions right. and tried to be people, okay, look, we're going to try to, you know, come out with a standard, you know, liberal view and make it justifiable. They've come to the point where they just do not care anymore. Hey, you want to burn down cities? It's viable. All right. I'm, I guess we need that voice. It's crucial. Thanks, uh, I mean, it's that ridiculous. So, I, I mean, I... Kind of low-hanging fruit there, picking on Salon, I suppose. Let's go over to Fox News. Uh, this is an interesting debate uh, with a, a feminist and, uh, and somebody who is oh, very much not a very feminist. Funny. Watch. There's different ways to look at the data, but the big picture here is women do earn less in America because they choose to. They would rather go to their daughter's piano recital than stay all night at work working on a, a, a you know, proposal. What? So they end up earning less, they're less ambitious. And I think this is sort of God's way, this is nature's way of saying women should be at home with the kids. Are they're you, happier there. I, I hope that your viewers do not take you 
sir, seriously. There's a great book because you should read. It's called Why Men Earn More. And it's all about women choosing mm. to hey, put family over work. And that's why they earn H less. Having a choice does not mean that you're less ambitious. And your comments are absolutely deplorable. Sean, I would like less you... Less ambitious than the workplace. I would like you to adjust this. You're, you're a father. You have a daughter. Heroes. If you were a real feminist, you would support housewives and see them as the heroes. You and women who work wasting their time. Interesting. I mean, he, he modifies the comment. He said, after le less ambitious at the workplace. Like, right. where, you know, look, le ambition, and it's certainly, this is, you're talking in generalities. You're talking about women or men, which, by the way, is wrong. There's gender Thank identity you. issues with that. Thank uh, you. But, uh, you know, you're talking about generalities. Obviously, there are women who are inc incredibly ambitious at work, and there are men who are not at all, believe me. I, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, I can't believe that. that. You know, there's a lot of men who are completely not ambitious. Uh, but, you know, talking generalities, that's what this the book covers. And it covers it very well with all sorts of economic, you know, um, uh, referencing and economists reasoning. And it's not it's not a controversial issue when it comes down to the facts of it, which are basically, you know, guys wind up taking jobs on oil rigs for six months and women don't. Because women prioritize things differently. I mean, that's not to say there's not one woman on an oil rig for six months. Of course, there are. Uh, but, I mean, it's just generally men take to t tend to take jobs that take them away from home. They tend to take jobs that are more dangerous. Uh, they tend to take jobs that don't work with lifestyle. They tend to not be, uh, leave their careers when children come into the picture, huh. which does, of course, uh, occur. Glenn's talked about his daughter, uh, uh, Hannah. Uh, who who worked here and, and was working at the uh, uh, the book uh, department and you know had a, obviously a great career ahead of her and she had uh, their their awesome daughter and uh, you know she's she's you know doing maybe some things here and there but is 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 focused on her her child and there, there's nothing wrong with that it doesn't make her less ambitious she's doing something far more important but it does it would affect uh, income numbers it does right. I mean, yes. I, of course it does. And, you know, that, that happens to be what occurs. She was, you know, she went to, what, Fordham? And this is all stuff that Glenn has talked about You're before. Right. But, like, a, like, it wasn't Fordham. It was one of those, like, really oh, smart Furman. person. Fur was it Furman? I don't know. Some really smart person college. I don't know. Some college they wouldn't let me even go to the gift shop. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's understandable. It's okay. It's, it's actually awesome. It's actually better. Uh, and, and, and I think that's what uh, Gavin's trying to say there, which is, like, uh, we should be praising those people. Uh, that's actually a better choice. I mean, earning money is is something you have to do, but it's not something that you necessarily want to be a goal of your life. It's it's a means to an end. Uh, it's obviously necessary at some level, but uh, no. I, you know this is you know this is a typical like she gets the the shocked face. Oh, she the, I'm shocked does. face, and it's like, well, wait a minute. Have you read the book? Have you read the reasoning behind the book? We've had the author on no before. Way. There's no way. No way. Uh, of course not. In fact, not a lot of people have read, but you should, because uh, it really does explain it. And by the way, it was written by a guy who is the head of a chapter of the National Organization of Women. Okay, This is a guy who wore the buttons that said 63 cents on the dollar or whatever. He was a guy who was leading protests in New York City saying women aren't paid equally. And he came up with a great idea, which was, wait a minute, why am I sitting here just making these arguments? Why don't I take a step to make, it, make the situation better? And in, in the process, I'll make a lot of money. And then here's how I'll do it. I'll hire only women. I'll hire uh, only women, and I'll be able to go and, uh, you know, pay them, you know, 90 cents on the dollar or whatever instead right. of 60 cents. So they'll still get a better deal than everywhere else. And I'll be saving all sorts of money, and I'll have a great business life. What he found out is it's just not true. It's not the reason why they make less money. 
And of course, the stat is a BS stat anyway. I mean, it never, it's, it's a stat where you just take all jobs from a specific sex and divide it by the amount of people. So you're coming up with an average wage. But I mean, that doesn't take into account what the job is. Right. You know, I mean, if you have, you know, if you, if you went in here and you, uh, you, you went and you started dividing that up, you have, well, Glenn's salary, because he's a man and he makes the most, well, of course, men would be making more in this building, for example, than uh, women if you did an average salary, because, uh, I don't know, Glenn Beck's salary is involved in there. But the CEO of the Blaze is a woman. You know what I mean? Like, it's, oh, my it, gosh, that's right. <laughs> it's not like you know, there's a, a bad cl- climate here for female uh, executives. You know, and that's a long story. We've gone over it a million times. Here's a little bit more of the uh, It goes on. Here. It's really funny. Yeah, here it comes. Most women are happier at home. They are pretending that they like working, and they're not making money because they don't stay all night at the office. They don't go the extra mile. Why they don't work all here? weekend. I'm You're making a mistake. Here. You would be much happier at home with a husband and children. Oh, boy. Oh, I mean, boy. I'm, I'm literally <laughs> oh. You just said you're single. Oh, you don't have a boyfriend. You, what, That's you're my celibate? choice. Yeah, look, you're miserable. Yeah, oh, you yeah. would be so much happier with oh. kids around you tonight. <laughs> Imagine coming home. Mommy's home. You're you, know you, you know what, Gavin? You're you're not funny. You're not what you I'm you do not do funny. anything. I'm trying to make you happy. You do not do anything for the better. Sean, this yes, isn't funny. Feminism has made this... women miserable. Women were much happier when there were when housewives were glorified. I, guess what? I had right, a choice it. to be married, and Keep I chose not to. No, I have a choice up. to have kids. You made a mistake. Give me the last word. Go ahead. I think that your guest here is doing a disservice to all of the viewers and to doing a disservice to America by saying that women that. I need to be married, that I would be happier would be at home. Happier that you're, what, miserably married? Just because no, you're having a I'm trying to share my joy. I, you should see my little Not everybody He's, has I'm, the same life, the life pattern as you, okay? I know, it's the fall and not everybody wants it's to marry somebody in a, in a bootleg seersucker suit and go home to that. I don't want to go home to that. You don't have to go home to me. Go home to a hunk. <laughs> oh, gosh. This know. is absolutely disgusting, and Sean, I, you I should actually speak up for the viewers today and I, let them know I that think, I think your we, daughter should have a choice. I think I think women do have, have a choice. choice. Absolutely, of course. So funny. I mean, she's so flustered and I'm literally shaking. Yeah, I mean, he's getting to the point. Obviously, towards the end, there, he's just like, screw it. I'm just gonna have fun I'm with this. You know, he's yeah. he's being funny and obviously exaggerating the point. But she's so humorless. You know, she can't even. You know, take that he's being, no he's way. not saying women should not have a choice. You know, he's, and Sean's just sitting there. You're, he's TV gold. This is TV gold. You know, right, let him fight it out. He's, it. I'm yes, out of it. Oh, you guys fight it out. Um, he was the co founder of Vice, wasn't he? I think uh, Gavin yes. McInnes, I think he was yes, one he of the co founders of Vice, uh, which is interesting because, uh, I mean, you don't see them as like, uh, you know, I, don't, I, I think he had a falling out with those guys. I don't remember exactly how that went, but uh, we'll have to look that up. Uh, all right. well, I think the original story did say former, so I believe so. Yes. I, I, I feel, for some reason, I think that's true. I think he had a falling out with those guys. But, I mean, you know, like he says controversial things. But, again, like it's another example of you can say controversial things if they're the right controversial things. Vice says things that are controversial all the time, but the left loves them. When, he, when you have the other guy who started it, you know, comes out and he says right. things that apparently they don't like, that's uh, disallowed. I'm literally shaking right now. I know. Well, that's, I mean, that's showing you're losing. When you get that upset about something, you know, it, sh- it shows you're losing. You need to re- you know, relax and realize that people are going to have their different opinions, and it's okay. It's, it's all right. You know, as much as I like to yell at Glenn and we get fired up when we go back and forth with each other, that's, it's okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's how you end these things in a, in a positive light.
you say, all right, you've got your opinion, I've got mine. Now, Jeffy's opinions are dumb, so <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that's a good idea, to let you air your opinions. I mean, that sounds like a terrible idea, you know, just from, from a societal viewpoint. By the way, Sean did not do it, but I will. I apologize to the viewers today for, you know, for, this, for this one. Oh, we're, this guy. She, she was talking about this one. stuff. No, I, I think I think he's, it's one of people generally to apologize to viewers for things that they do wrong, and I think we need to do that tonight. Yeah. All right, uh, interesting uh, story here from Mental Philosophy, Bizarre Athlete Superstitions. Uh, go through a list of these here real quick. Karan Butler uh, from the NBA, he uh, would guzzle a two-liter bottle of Mountain Dew. How many calories are in a two-liter bottle of Mountain Dew? Your whole day worth for a normal person probably, right? Are you looking at me for calorie count? Because I could give a <laughs> flying crap how many calories are in. <laughs> That's a fantastic point. So wait, uh, I'm just trying to do the math off the top of my head, though. You're talking about... Two liters, uh, which is what sixty, basically roughly sixty-four ounces, eight servings, okay. eight servings of one hundred and fifty calories, or twelve hundred calories. I mean, you're at not the full day, but a good amount of well, your he day. He burns that off. Anyway. I guess yeah. If you're a if you're a big time NBA guy though, you're burning that many calories. Um, he uh, he threw down a half bottle before tip off, finished it off at halftime until he joined the Washington Wizards, uh, which he then trained uh, changed to water. Huh. Which oh, water boy that doesn't have the sugar kick he gets from Mountain Dew? None of no. it. No. Did you have the? Uh, see if your if Dwight Howard had a real issue with this uh, with Skittles. Um, did we ever talk about that? He. Uh, I think so. Yeah. He, he would obsessively eat Skittles. Like basically all of his meals were Skittles and candy, and he didn't realize why he didn't feel good. <laughs> and like, you're an athlete. I mean, you've seen Dwight Howard. He looks like you know a statue. Right. And he was doing that while eating freaking Twizzlers all day. And if you can. Get that thin eating Skittles. I need well, Natasha. <laughs> where's the Skittles? Where, where are the Skittles? Well, they are. Fruit, By the way, I guess. Close enough for me. <laughs> By the way, what? <laughs> oh, I thought you said it. you had a point there. You just said "By the way," we're going to end it there. Okay, good. Um, so, was that it, really? You go. By the way, Natasha, where's the Skittles? Oh, That's where's what I Skittles? said that okay, after. Good. Um, uh, I want to tell you, we do have a spoons segment coming out this week. Um, we may have a new kind of Oreos, I'm not sure. We also have two different kinds of food truck Pringles. Um, one is like cheeseburger, and one is like chicken taco or something. Food Pringles. truck Pringles. Yeah, I went to a food truck this weekend, by the way. That doesn't sound bad. They have a food truck uh, in Dallas, which makes ice cream sandwiches. Oh, yeah, that's the one your wife Instagrammed. I did see that. Uh, yeah, okay. They good. Uh, they have a cool house or whatever. Freaking really good. And she had it up on Periscope. I was watching you guys eat it at the truck. <laughs> Periscope is your dream. It's like the peeping Tom. App. I love Periscope. You absolutely love Periscope. You're weird. Uh, how about Mike Bibby? Um, he was a uh, he uh, chewed his nails uh, during uh, games quite often, and uh, eventually they they gave him a fingernail, fingernail clippers. So while he's on the bench, he's using fingernail clippers. And when he would come out of the games, they would hand him the clippers on the bench so that he could. Uh, Play with his nails when he's sitting on the bench. Well, it's bizarre. Biting them, I guess. I, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Going to do Jason Terry? Interested in picking up any of this slack today, or what? Nope. Say- I'm just letting you read them. I don't care about these 
You have no idea how bad I wanted to say that. I'm so glad I said it. Are you going to tell us about it, Jason Terry? You, it's your job. This is the Fat and Stew show today. So do something. But you already said Jason Terry. Jason Terry uh, was teammates with Mike Bibby, the guy with the fingernails, uh, at Arizona. And they started in odd superstition while playing uh, in college. Really? They slept in their uniform shorts the day before the game. That's different than Jeffy, who has never worn clothes when he sleeps. (laughs) Uh, Even when he sleeps at the office. Just picture that. Picture walking into that, because it's happened. A lot of people around here walked into an office where Jeffy's sleeping. Have they told you that, really? They've walked in? Because they usually, Mm -hmm. I think they would tell me. (laughs) Let's go to uh, Jeffy for the next one. Jeffy? Most baseball players wear batting gloves to absorb some of the shock of making contact with the ball to improve their grip on the bat. Stu? Mm -hmm. That's what batting gloves are for, yes, Jeffy. A handful issue gloves in favor of bare hand approach, though, (laughs) and most famously outfielder Alou. Alou did have a system of avoiding calluses and heart. What did he do? He urinated on his hands throughout the season. Wait, what? What? See, this is Moises Alou. Even when you're trying to make it boring, you can't make it boring. Moises Alou? Longtime New York Yankees catcher Jorge Posada also employed this superstition to aid his gloveless approach at the plate. The trick may be more gross than helpful. A 2004 piece in Slate questioned the value of this superstition. Yeah, I would question that as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the key ingredient. Urine contains urea, a key ingredient in moisturizers that actually soften the skin. So their argument is that it doesn't help toughen the skin. It actually softens it. Interesting. And so, plus, use moisturizer if you want to use that. Well, you are How many using ta- moisturizer. Yeah, I guess. How many times have did, was this guy at a meet and greet shaking hands with people? Uh, and yeah, they're like, I'm oh, yeah, I've been peeing on my hands I've every day. I've done a lot of, uh, you know, same socks, same shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, you eat the same food. You go through the same thing. <laughs> All of this I, I knew. Never, yeah, I never knew that Moises was peeing mm-hmm. on his hands. How about Bruce Gardner? Uh, he was uh, f- spent five years as a forward in the NHL uh, with the Senators, as uh, most notably. His superstition was even more unsettling than Moises Alou. Before each game, Gardner would dip the blade of his stick in the locker room toilet. It was because uh, in Ottawa, in his rookie year, he asked a veteran for advice. The veteran told him he was treating his stick too well and needed the wood. To- he needed to teach the wood to respect him by dunking it in the toilet, and he actually does it. <laughs> I got news Bizarre. for you. That's not worse than peeing on your hands. No, definitely okay? not. Right? Putting That's your not. stick in the toilet is not Who as cares? bad as peeing on your hands. No. No. Now, if he was, you know, peeing on the stick, maybe. Mm-hmm. As it was, you know, put it over the toilet. But no. Yeah. Now, you're peeing on your hands. Yeah. Even peeing on your stick wouldn't be as bad as peeing on your hands. Right. Right? Like the whole point is, you know, that's why you, you try to avoid that. Why is this a loo? And patata? All right, and here's Jeffy with the last entry. I can't quite what the being. Here's Jeffy with the last entry in this segment. Thank you, Stu. Ecuador's national team knew they needed help if they were going to succeed at the 2006 World Cup in Germany. Even after practicing and preparing as well as they could, they were still looking for that edge. They found it in Tasmarenda Nichapi, a mystic who the Guardian called a witch doctor Cum shaman, cum priest type fella. Mm. <laughs> I guess this is just. You're, we shouldn't really depend on you to read, is what you're saying. That's kind of what the 
what we're going to get out of this segment, huh? Spoons. <laughs> All right. Triple eight seven twenty seven back. We'll come back with. Uh, I, hey, the magic worked though, right? I don't know. It was your part of the Ecuador. segment that you screwed up? I don't. <sighs> I defeated Poland. You'll be lucky to be and on Periscope after the show today. What are you talking about? It wasn't even. I it wasn't even done. I, Where's Pat? The priest. Bring Pat power. That's what it says right there. No more doctor's appointments. For it Pat. wasn't even done. Late 727 back. Pat uh, will be back tomorrow. Thank God. So our next uh, segment is... Uh, you know, you were mentioning that you were getting old, Stu. <laughs> yes. This next segment should help you. Go oh. ahead. Oh, well, good segue there. Uh, Jeffy putting some effort in. Uh, this is uh, kind of odd. This is a map. That, I like these maps. They're kind of they're fun. That we do, we do them every once in a while. This one's from the Washington Post. It does not show the main cause of death by state. Um, which, of course, is going to be pretty much in every single case, either heart disease or well, cancer. This shows the most distinct um, cause of death. Like, what stands out as relative to other states uh, in the nation? Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting. Here's the map. Um, you see, uh, uh, you see uh, A is tuberculosis. So Texas, we got a little TB issue. Ooh. Oklahoma's got H, which is uh, heart, some other kind of heart disease. Um, looking at some of the interesting ones, uh, see D. Where's D? Uh, you ever leave in Louisiana, Jeffy? Uh, yeah, I've been but through there a few times. Yeah, it's uh, syphilis, so I figured that. <laughs> My favorite the, the, in New York and Connecticut, mm -hmm. inflammatory diseases of female pelvic organs. Hate that. Yeah, that's, that's problematic. You're not going to want that to happen. Hate that. Um, let's see. Uh, what's, where's V? Do you see V? What is that, Arizona there? Yeah. Um, discharge of firearms. Undetermined intent. So they have a high rate of that there. Uh, influenza is K, which you see a few states have, uh, oh, have yeah. the flu as one of their main issues. Um, let's see what else. Uh, uh, Other than unspecified acute lower respiratory infections, that's the flu, too. All those northern states, man, you get the flu, you go inside, you die. <laughs> that's the whole thing. Um, and then you got uh, O is disorders of kidney, which is uh, Illinois. Ooh. And you think you probably do drink a lot if you live in Barack Obama's home state. <laughs> uh, it's probably actually happening all the time. So. Legal intervention is, is uh, you? What Legal is that? Intervention? You get you sued to death? What is the... You? Is I don't that... even know what that would be. Maybe it would be uh, like... like um, Legal intervention? Someone kills like you. The police shoots you? Right, but it's, it's not, uh, not murder. Right. It's like they, you know... Legal intervention, right. So you get killed, but it's okay. It's your fault. You were, yeah, you're, right, like, you, you were doing something wrong. Like the way you'll end. Like you're, you're sort of ending... The end of the Jeffy story, you know what I mean? Like, someone kills you, but it was pretty much justified. You know, everyone's like, eh, you know, I can't really blame the guy. You know, that type of thing. Really? <laughs> everyone's just like, eh, you know, it's, we're better off. You know? <laughs> kind of yeah. ends up that way. Did yeah. you step over? 
Yeah, it's kind of like, like well, you, I mean, how long do you think my legs are? No, I'm not stepping <laughs> over. Walk around, move on. I walk around. It will take a while, but yes. Man. Thought he'd die sooner. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is an interesting, there is an interesting race going on in your life between someone trying to kill you and your body just revolting against itself and just shutting down. Oh, it's close to that. Really? Already, yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm <laughs> celebrating my 100th birthday this year. Yeah. This summer. Really? Yeah. So you were in the 1900s. You were born in the 1900s. Celebrated my 100th birthday this year. My body's, you know, starting to feel the signs of 100. Really? You don't look a day over 130. Really? Mm-hmm. I will tell you that. Well, maybe time hasn't been good to me. <laughs> no, maybe not. Uh, so uh, what do we have coming up this week? We have uh, an interesting show on uh, Thursday, which we have on radio, the the pot show. I'm actually really looking forward yeah. to it. It would be fascinating. Interesting. One guy pro-legalization um, for uh, purposes, uh, recreational purposes. Your keep it illegal stew. No, I, I don't think I think a keeping it legal guy. That's not me. It's a guy who wrote a book with William Bennett. So you got two real experts in the field kind of coming in and arguing their cases, and Glenn looking to make up his mind as to what, what he believes. And I guess we can, too. I mean, I would say Jeffy's probably actually angry it's not given away for free. <laughs> you know, like you're so pro-legalization, you think all drugs should be just intravenously injected into us at all times. Well, actually, that's a common misconception, Stu, because uh, they said uh, mm-hmm. in some of the states that have made it legal that, you know, the illegal drug would go away. And what's happening is that's not true. That is, a, so. that is part of the case, I believe, of uh, Robert White, uh, who will come in and tell you about all the stats related to that. Yeah. And that, like, they thought one of the issues was going to be that you have pot be legal and all these cartels are going to go out of business. Uh, uh, no, not happening. I They're mean, making all kinds you know, of other One of the reasons that is, too? Why is that? Uh, I don't charge you tax. So is that it? It's, That's it's one cheaper? of the reasons, yeah. Mm, yeah. I don't charge you tax. They're also going into different drugs so right. they're focusing their their energies on things like heroin now instead of uh pod and you know obviously there's a different clientele there but you well, want no less kidding. of that if not more it's a, it, well there are good points on it on both sides but you know you have to see where you come to. down on it all right uh, that's thursday plus the root is thursday uh and plus luckily pat's back and jeffy's not saying i know